0: The richer you get, the harder it is to manage your estate. There's lots of moving parts like portfolio diversity, tax mitigation, asset protection, and estate planning. That's why the ultra-wealthy use family offices, and that's where Valerity Wealth comes in for you. Run by a former sovereign wealth fund manager, Valerity Wealth brings institutional-level expertise to the high-paid professional. Let Valerity quarterback your finances. Book your free consultation at ValerityWealth.com.
1: You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get
0: ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. And today, I would like to start out the way I ordinarily do, which is to guide you to WealthFormula.com, where you can get all sorts of goodies like free books and resources and things like that. Also, I want to let you know that if you can't get enough of Wealth Formula and the podcast, there's also an opportunity to join our private community. And there's a course, there's a course with some serious talent on it, talent like Ken McElroy, Robert Kiyosaki's real estate advisor, and tax advisor, Tom Wheelwright, who happens to be my CPA as well. There is Dean Graziosi, Christian Allen, who else? Gosh, I mean, it's nonstop. It's just full of talent. And all of that comes along with this membership to this private community, which is the Wealth Formula Network, which is a private Facebook group. We have a portal uh, with additional information with secret passwords to other goodies and bi weekly mastermind phone calls where we let it all hang out and we don't censor anything. Okay. So, anyway, check that all out at Wealth Formula Roadmap. Dot com. Now, the other big thing that I need you to come to is this event, the Titans of Multifamily Real Estate. That's what we're calling it. But really, more than that, it is the first, the inaugural Wealth Formula Meetup in Scottsdale, Arizona, and it's on March 1st and 2nd. Actually, March 1st is really just meeting up that evening for drinks. At that point, we will convene the next morning, and then we will have some spectacular speakers, including the legendary Ken McElroy, David Steele from Western Wealth Capital, and then Tom Wheelwright. Tom Wheelwright, of course, will talk the tech side of everything. We're going to have a panel A small, intimate Q&A session with these gigantic brains all about multifamily that you're going to want to learn. Then we're going to have a lunch with Christian Allen and Damian Lupo talking about how to take your wealth to the next level with all of these new tricks and pearls that you're going to get from the Titans themselves. Then we go on a bus tour. It's a magical bus tour. And that magical bus tour is going to show you exactly how it looks like when you force millions of dollars of equity into a property. Doesn't that sound great? Well, and then we end up back with another cocktail party, and this time it is on me. This is going to be a lot of fun, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you sign up at wellformulaevents.com. Go there. Check it out. I want to see you there. Now, these kind of events are really magical for a lot of reasons. First of all, you know, there's nothing like getting to know people in real life. I'm telling you, it changes everything. And from personal experience, these types of meetings, you go there expecting one thing, you come out with another. You just never know when you're going to learn something, meet somebody or you know have some sort of epiphany that changes the rest of your life, the quality of individual that comes to a Wealth Formula event or listens to Wealth Formula podcast is way, way, way standard deviations above the mean. And so the opportunities are endless to create your own tribe. Check it out again, wealthformulaevents.com. And make sure you're there. I want to meet you in person. Now, okay, I'm plugging it like crazy because I just, you know, this is the first event I'm doing. And I've been people have been wanting me to do an event for a very, very long time. Now I'm I want people to show up. So that's why I am telling you to do this. It'll be a lot of fun. Social, you can write it off because it's education, investing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now. As far as today's show, let's move on with that topic. Changing your personal financial belief system is not easy. It's it's a lot like changing religions. You know, think about it. Maybe you grew up uh, with a particular faith. Maybe you grew up Christian or Jewish or something like that. And whether you practice or not, you have some pretty established beliefs even if you're not, you know, you don't think about it every day, you have certain things that have just carried with you throughout your life and things that you believe in that just become an automatic part of your everyday existence. And that's why it's not that common for people to convert from one religion to another. It's more common for just people just to stop practicing something and not doing something. But it's it's very rare when somebody actually moves into another belief system entirely. And maybe that's an extreme example, but there is a parallel that I'm getting at, and it comes in the world of personal investment philosophy in how we invest our money. You know, we grow up being told that the Responsible thing to do is to find a nice financial advisor, you know, and and create that little relationship and invest in a broad portfolio of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And then one day you're, you know, it's like one of those commercials. You see those commercials all the time, right? Where you know these very nicely uh, dressed uh, older individuals are all excited. They're like, "We can do it! Oh, we can do it!" It's all exciting and and happy. But, you know, personally, this heretic here, this financial heretic, cannot stand those commercials. It drives me crazy because it reinforces the notion that there is indeed a conventional and safe financial pathway that is right. And furthermore, that it involves investing in Wall Street trash. Now, I broke away from that religion, so to speak, long ago, and have followed the heretical path of real estate investing in, quote unquote, alternative assets like real estate and precious metals. By the way, I have to go back to this. You've heard me say it again before, but you got to love that label alternative, right? It's like alternative, alternative assets, real estate, you know, like alternative lifestyle or alternative. Or like blue blue hair, or mohawks, or nose rings—you know, sort of the alternative thing, right? You know, it's not—it's not conjuring up that nice, responsible elderly couple that you see on the brokerage commercials. Now, some of you know that I have been thinking uh, controversial thoughts lately, even within the alternative investing space, right? I mean, I kind of got into a little bit of cryptocurrency. But, you know, that's also sort of a more of a speculative play. But there is something else that I've been talking about that, frankly, I have been a little bit uneasy to admit because it's funny. You know, it, it feels a little bit like I am exposing myself, that I am doing something wrong. You know that feeling, right? It's like I'm coming out of the closet and saying that, in fact, I no longer own gold because I don't really want to. I know, I know. Listen, some of you are right now, as we speak, probably disowning me, right? You gold bugs out there. And I have to say that my own hero, right? And I don't own, I don't really have heroes, but I have one, one hero really because he changed my life. His name is Robert Kiyosaki and Robert loves gold. And if you he ever heard me say that I don't own any and I don't really understand why I would, he would never come on my show again. Right, unfortunately, though I'm quite confident that he does not listen to my show while he's working out, so that shouldn't be a problem. Anyway, I'll just wait a little while uh, after this show and these comments before I ever ask him back on the show again. But for but for those of you who have heard me explain my current stance on gold, well, here it is. I just don't understand why I wouldn't just own more real estate instead of gold. After all, I mean, the reason that most people, uh, myself in the past included, would buy gold is because it's an anti-dollar. In other words, gold goes up as the dollar goes down. It's an inflationary hedge at the end of the day. So I get it, right? I get it. I mean, you can, you know, gold's been around for centuries, and an ounce of gold would buy you a nice toga and a pair of sandals in the times of Christ, and now it can buy you a nice suit it it holds its value its money but so does real estate in fact real estate also happens to do something nice which is throws off cash and it can be leveraged and it's frankly no more volatile than gold and it has tax advantages up the wazoo for those of you in investor club by the way if you are you know Uh, thinking about joining Investor Club, you ought to do that. We have got lots of interesting opportunities. You do need to meet certain criteria in terms of of income, but we've talked about that before. Anyway, taxes on the sale of gold are worse than capital gains. Again, why would I want to own this? So all that said, I'm still trying to keep an open mind. I'm talking to people and letting them try to convince me why I should you know, not go off on this uh, other, you know, sort of tangent and move away from this belief in precious metals. So my guest this week uh, is going to, I've invited him on the show because of this. I want people to convince me why I need to own gold. And this guy, he makes some pretty compelling points. So if you're like me and you're trying to figure out whether or not you should own gold and if you own it, Whether you should keep it, listen to this week's Wealth Formula podcast right after these messages. Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector conservative investing with double-digit returns and tax advantages. That's AccessWealthAviation.com. AccessWealthAviation.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest in Wealth Formula Podcast is Ken Lewis. Ken has uh, 25 years of leadership experience across a broad range of retail and technology organizations, many of which are in the Fortune 500. He currently serves as a a chief executive officer of Apmex, the largest precious metals retailer in North America. And under his direction, Apmex, through its new venture, One Gold, now provides customers with an online marketplace for precious metals. Ken... Welcome to Wealth Formula Podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for the time.
0: So let's start a little bit about you. Your background is pretty varied, uh, you know, with technology and, and all that. How'd you end up getting in the gold business? Were you a gold bug and, or was it just something uh, something else that led you in this direction?
1: You know, back in the day, um, I was actually at Home Depot. I was actually running part of their supply chain, boarding up to the board of directors and had an opportunity. They were looking to go public back in the day. It was 2011. Um, I don't know if any of you know Precious Metals, but back in 2011 was a gangbuster time and frankly up to that point was a pretty significant uh, growth in in, uh, consumption of metals. And uh, so I joined the company with the idea of them going public, to be honest with you. We're lucky we didn't do that because at the end of the day, the equities markets turned south in 2012. We had Facebook go live. Uh, Not a great time to go live. And frankly, there's volatility in precious metals. So I'm not so sure we would have been, at the time, the best public company. But I do believe what we've done over the last several years is stabilize our earnings. And who knows? There could be a day in the future where Atmex could be a public company again.
0: Yeah, makes sense. So let's talk about just gold in in general right now. Um, You know, in in a world where there's all sorts of things you could invest in, and we talk about all sorts of stuff on this show. Why gold? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'll tell you, you know I, I, uh, you know, I have to be careful not to give financial advice. So what I'll try to do is just give you some of my own personal opinions sure. and, and I'd ask others to do their own research. The way I think about gold is it's a diversification strategy. Uh, when you're looking at your, your portfolio and you're looking at um, what you have your investments in, you got to look at the mixture of all those investments. You don't want all your eggs in one basket. Um, if you look at how gold has performed against equities historically, it's a nice complement to it, kind of like bonds and some other options. Um, if you look at the long-term performance of gold and you take a long-term perspective, you know, I've got stats here. If you go back to 2000 about the only asset that's outperformed gold over the last 18 years is real estate. So it's, it's one of those things. It's a nice balance to the portfolio. I would never recommend anybody carry more than five to 10% in their portfolio in gold because you don't want all your eggs in one basket again. But uh, if you're just looking for overall portfolio performance, and probably more importantly, some people look at wealth preservation and they want to be a little more conservative in their investments, gold's a nice complement for that kind of portfolio.
0: Yeah, you hear that all the time, right? I mean, the the idea of gold as a way for capital preservation, a way to protect your assets. Certainly there is volatility within gold. Can you talk a little bit about why you think that that is a special place uh, for gold?
1: You know, it's funny. I was sitting here, I had, I had my team pull some numbers, and I think this just paints the picture. Yes, gold has volatility. You can look at um, it's had highs in the 17, 1800 range. It's had lows in the last five to 10 years in the 11, $1,100 range, 1080 range. Uh, so there's a little bit of volatility in there. But gold has done in the last 90 days exactly what you'd want it to do. Here's some stats 90 day performance on gold is running about up 5.71%. You go to the S&P 500, it's actually down 6.17% in the exact same time frame. So, you know, silver, another product that people should consider investing in our opinions, up 6.89% in the last 90 days. So, and then you look at the dollar, the dollar is relatively flat. So, so the, the point being is, you know, is gold an investment? Would I put all my eggs in one basket? Do I think it's the next thing uh, out there? I would never go on, on record to say that. Do I think it's a good compliment if you want to hedge to your other investments? I think it's a perfect play.
0: I've always thought of gold as the anti-dollar. Do you think that there's <laughs> truth to that?
1: You know, it's funny. Um, when we look at why has gold gone up, why is it up over the last 90 days? Some of it can be directly pointed to the dollar losing some of its luster. You know, the dollar's not quite as strong as it was. Um, as I just quoted some numbers, it's a relatively flat in this time frame. But when you combine that, you talk about the government closing down for the last 20 some odd days. You talk about the, the, the uh, economies of China and, and Germany being on the downside. It's a safe haven investment. It's the kind of investment you want to get into when you think the economic times might not be as strong in the future as they are today.
0: So let me ask you some questions that I think are very basic, but why is
1: gold valuable? why is gold valuable <laughs> what well, is the intrinsic I'm value
0: of, sure. of of gold i mean because uh, you know understand you know and i and I, I let's just take for example and i'm you know something like bitcoin right and right. and bitcoin is is something that uh, honestly i actually feel has a lot of commonalities with gold but you'd take bitcoin and a lot of the critics say Well, what is Bitcoin? It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just code, it's software. Um, It doesn't really do anything. Gold, it's, it's hard to argue that the value that it has is just because it's pretty and you can, you can put it around your neck, right? So, so what is the, what is the value of of gold? Isn't there inherently something that, that is beyond jewelry?
1: No doubt. Um, I mean, all you have to do is go look at the mining stocks and look at the availability of gold. You know, there's there's some that are predicting that you know over the next twenty years the gold supply is going to become even more rare. And I think that's one of the intrinsic values of gold is its rarity and the fact that it also costs a substantial amount to mine. Um, if, if gold prices become too low, the mines will stop, right? The mines won't operate. Uh, that helps to protect its value uh, to a certain degree as well. You know, I, I know some people have talked about Bitcoin in areas like that and how in some ways there's similarities to gold. The one major difference is there's no underlying value to Bitcoin. It's, it's, it's a guess, uh, we're on gold and this is actually a very important premise for our one gold product is we want you to know it's a lot like Bitcoin in the way it operates in terms of a, a, a Blockchain in terms of it having a front end. That's very much like a Coinbase. But what's critical to this is there's always physical product backing your investment You can take that physically to your home. We can ship it to you if you so choose um, That way, you know that you're not just investing in something that could go, you know Go gone tomorrow. It's going to always be there. You're going to always have value. And look, what asset? What product has been around for thousands of years? Unlike gold, I mean, it's been bartered for for you know many many centuries. It's out there. It's available. It's intrinsic. It's hard. It's it's a hard asset. Many in many ways, like real estate and other things that you think of in terms of a hard asset.
0: Yeah, and 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 it's not not that I disagree with you on this. I think it's just something that it is something of a. uh, I think. Thought-provoking, because I think fundamentally, I think one of the things that you said, which is that it's been around for thousands of years Mm -hmm. and it's been money for thousands of years. I think that personally, that's what gives it its intrinsic value. Now, if Bitcoin was around for a thousand years, I don't think that there would be a whole lot of difference in that regard. But that's that's kind of what I was getting at. The other thing I was thinking in general is I always like to think and tell me what your thoughts on this. I always think of gold. Gold is money, and we think of gold going up and down in value, but in reality, you could look at it as gold is staying stable and the dollar is going up and down in value.
1: That's an interesting point. Um, you know, I was reading an article, I think something like 40-some-odd. Gold is at its highest level in certain currencies all time uh, in the most recent month, um, because if you start to normalize out for currency fluctuations, it actually... Um, is doing very, very well in certain parts of the world. I mean, just look at Europe. Gold has performed very, very well uh, for those that invested in in their currencies, uh, local currencies. And so I, I do agree with you to a certain degree. It, it, it's kind of the currencies are something you have to always deal with. Um, where gold is going to, it's you know, the big thing about gold is, if you think about it, is there's protections out there, right? It's, it's, it's being used for multiple purposes. It's not just uh, like a Bitcoin or something like that out there that, Who's to say why it's priced at what it is? Gold has people shorting the market, longing the market, taking a comics position. Uh, it's being used in scrap. It's being used in manufacturing. It has purposes in jewelry. It, it's it's a product that's going to be around forever. It's never going to go away. It's just a matter of what, what, what value is it going to have uh, mm-hmm. when you think about its future. So uh, why would gold ever drop below a certain dollar value? I have a hard time imagining it ever going below around $1,100, 1050 because there's just too many purposes for it uh, in the overall scheme of things.
0: So you're saying that the valuation of gold is beyond just that it's gold, that it's... Uh, that, I think so. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I think that's one of the challenges that I've certainly had with revaluation sure. valuation of gold in the past. Now, would you advocate for when not even advocate because I don't I know you don't want to give financial advice. Tell me about the relative merits of either owning physical gold, right? And this may get to your you know a little bit sure. to your your company one gold right. versus owning uh, you know just some uh, some shares of GLD and the New York Stock Exchange.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. You, you I think you mentioned to me earlier uh, your background was was a doctor, and and what we find is that a lot of high net worth individuals like to have some assets under under their hands, right, in their homes. Um, they'd like to know that that, that asset's going to be there long term. You can debate its value, but what you can't debate is your physical control over it. And, and we have a lot of high net worth customers um, who believe in owning gold and putting it in either a safety deposit box in their home. We also offer storage for them and, and they look at it as a way to pass on wealth to, the, to future generations. they look at it as a way to take a hedge against the overall financial systems and the markets out there and, and how much can they trust those systems? Um, it's a lot like real estate, right? Where you have that ownership, no one can take it away from you. You're not as reliant upon uh, the banking systems, the government and its regulatory issues. You kind of have, if you will, uh, a standalone uh, set of of a position, Uh, like holding cash right in your home. It's good to have some diversity there. So that's what we see a, a lot of individuals who want to own physical, they want to have some kind of separation, if you will, from the overall broader financial system. Where GLD, on the other hand, you're really buying into the broader ecosystem. What you're doing is trying to find an easy way to take a position of gold. Because having physical gold shipped to your home, there's a premium you're paying over spot. you got to have insurance or you got to figure out where to put it. You're worried you might get stolen. So, so some people, it's not for them. They want a position in gold. They just don't want to have it physically. And so GLD is absolutely an option. It's something that, uh, frankly, is the largest position of gold out there. It's really easy for people. They can go to their brokerage account. They can go out and take a position. The issues with GLD, in my opinion, are a few. First and foremost, I like having something with an intrinsic value backing it at all times. No one knows for sure whether GLD has hundred percent of the gold backing what it shows out in the marketplace. First and foremost. Secondly, it's under lock and key control by the banking system, the very banking system that we sometimes don't trust right? So you have to be concerned about that. Um, and then finally, the fee structures. You pay an annual fee. That annual fee can run 40 plus basis points. You got to pay for brokerage fees. So there are some costs involved. The beauty of it, though, is instant liquidity. You can get in, you can get out, you can get in, you can get out whenever you like.
0: That's some taxation um, benefits on that.
1: Uh, you know, it's funny. Taxation wise, honestly, I believe I, I want to be careful not to give tax advice. But um, the, the treatment of it is is I want to say it's not as it's not. I think GLD is treated like it's a capital gain, but a physical metal is actually treated like it's a hobby or, or a collectible. So they have different right. tax treatments. One is self-reported, meaning if you own physical, you self-report your tax gains. Some people find that attractive. GLD, obviously, is going to come through your brokerage account. Right um, Now, what we tried to do, and, and maybe this gets into a product I want to talk about, we just launched one gold. Where what we did was we took all the benefits of crypto, the blockchain technology, the ease of use on your phone or at your, on a laptop, the ability to connect your bank account to your portfolio so you can move money back and forth very seamlessly or pay with credit card or pay with Bitcoin, matter of fact. But an ability to get in and out of metal, just like GLD, in and out of metal at all times. But more importantly, you always know the metal's there. And if you ever want to have physical chip to your home because you want to take the physical position home. You can convert the physical in a matter of a matter of a few keystrokes.
0: So there are other companies out there who do somewhat similar things. I, I know, right. for example, I, I personally have used a company called Bullion Vault. Um, yep. And I know there are a handful of others. How are you guys different? What are you doing that's different?
1: Yeah, a couple things. First and foremost, the user experience. I want to be careful not to be negative on the competition or the competitive landscape. All I would say is I would challenge our users to use the interface. It's super simple. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be an expert in gold. It's just that straightforward, just like the cryptos. I think the cryptos, if you ask me, they made it very easy to take a position and to get in and out of crypto. Uh, Coinbase is who we model our, our, our software interface after. Super simple. Where like gold money or bullion ball or some of these other products. They've gotten overly complicated. They've gotten very difficult to use for the average person. You run, your patience runs thin. You don't want to have to learn so much. You just want to be able to execute, get in and out and and move on. I think that's one major difference. The other thing I think is the difference is that we're using a blockchain. We're using a technology that um, has proven security for consumers. It's a permission-based blockchain. It's not open source. Why is that important? Because you can get an independent verification at all times of your holdings right there online using a different piece of software unlike a bullion vault and some others you're trusting that they had audits done they give you bar numbers i'm not saying the gold's not there but it's definitely a little bit less tight than the product we're trying to launch
0: to talk a little bit about this so basically are you creating like you know some some tags that are you know barcoded and then those go on the blockchain uh, 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 how, how do you, how does it work exactly? Because certainly there are sure. other mechanisms out there in the blockchain world used to, you know, to identify these types of things and works of art, et cetera. Can you talk a little bit about how that works?
1: Yeah, it's actually, it's actually a beautiful process. So what we do is one gold takes a physical position in gold. The product's actually at the rural Canadian mint up in Canada. And so when we take our physical position, they actually then update the blockchain to reflect our ownership interest. All right. When consumers then go in and buy, they're given a private key, a blockchain identifier of who they are. They're then assigned ownership interest of my position. So I can't sell gold to any consumer that I don't already own the gold to start with. So I take a position and I then assign ownership interest to all these different clients. Uh, Right now, we have over 800 people who've signed up for the program in only eight weeks. We think we're on a great trajectory here. It's a concept where you have a private key, if you will, that you're able to always identify and go actually out to an independent third-party website, put in that private key and check your balances. So it's very straightforward for you to verify it's always there. Unlike some of the other programs out there that are crypto-based, you don't know if the asset's actually physically there or not. Where we actually had the Royal Canadian that's standing behind the whole process.
0: So w- when you try to sell, when you're buying from this, who are you buying? Are you buying from peers? Or are you buying from? It's a great question. Uh, or yeah, how does that work? Because typically, you're, obviously, one of the things, if if you're using the the crypto analogy, it's typically yep. a peer to peer type uh, type thing, and then you might have a platform, and you know there there's small exchange fees, etc. But ultimately, it's a peer to peer play?
1: Yeah. In this case, you're always dealing with the house. So, you're not actually doing peer-to-peer because, a couple reasons, in, in the crypto space, peer-to-peer trading, we are all concerned about regulatory issues there. The SEC has gone on record to say that they're concerned about it. We didn't want to play in that sandbox and potentially open ourselves up for regulatory issues. That's the last thing we want. So, you're always dealing with the house. But here's what's important. Very transparent. The spot price in the market sets your price plus a 15 basis point fee, that's what you pay. When you go to sell, it's also, you got basically a 30, 30, you have a 30 basis point spread between high and low, bid and ask, if you will. Very transparent, very low fee structure. I would actually argue for any product in the marketplace, marketplace, its fee structure is actually as low as anything you're gonna find. And how we're able to do that is we're taking a pool position. We're not actually fabricating product for your order. You're taking fractional ownership of gold, so we keep our costs very low. Uh, We're even looking at, and I think this is something of interest potentially for your listeners, we're even looking at potentially launching a yield product, a product where you can actually be paid to own gold down the road. How would we do that? I've got gold sitting in my vault right now that I have to borrow against with the banks, and I pay the bank an interest rate for that. What if I can design a model where it's segregated, standalone gold, to where the consumers own the metal, and I pay them the interest rather than paying the bank's the interest? Another possibility down the road that this platform enables due to its due to its design
0: yeah, I noticed that in your bio and that was actually one of the next things I was going to ask you about is creating passive income on uh the gold you owned is that kind of what you're referencing and if so uh, when does that happen? what do yields look like? Do you have any idea of all, all that?
1: Yeah, we're, we're looking to hopefully launch the product in the first quarter, something like I'm describing. And there's a couple of approaches we could take with it. so I can't get into too much detail on how it's going to final, this final form is going to be. But um, when you go out, and this is public knowledge, you can look at companies that do metal leasing, for example, where they have leasings in their vault, metal in their vaults and they go out to banks and do a metal lease to where are borrowing gets that metal. Those metal lease rates can run from one and a half to two and a half percent, depending upon your size, your, your credit ratings, and other things. So that gives you what the potential is, right? If you wanted to pass every dollar of that back to the consumers, that the yield could be very significant. Well, of course, there's going to probably be somewhere in the middle. I would predict, but the most important thing is, I think it's very important, is that that metal has to be standalone, segregated, and always under lock and key for the customers. It can't be co-utilized within your vault where there's no clarity. It can't be where the banks wonder who has ownership interest in the metal in the vault. It's got to be very, very clear. Very transparent at all times for it to work, but but that's an example of passive income that we think is a possibility for consumers with a product like this that we don't know that concept really doesn't exist using blockchain technology, using companies like the Royal Canadian Mint and Sprott, and using of course um, you know our size and scale to bring the
0: market. What about the possibility of collateralized debt? That's the other thought. Is that we're seeing this more and more actually in the Bitcoin space. Where, you know, Bitcoin is similarly to gold. Again, there's not a whole lot you're going to do with it. It's storage uh, value that that there are now companies out there which, you know, you can effectively park your Bitcoin or, you know, in this case, it would be gold and maybe borrow 70 percent LTV against that and then, you know, use that for for other assets.
1: Yeah, we're, we're actually evaluating it. You may have heard of the government and another company out there where, the where the, they were being sued by the government about whether or not their product needed to be regulated or not. Um, we wanted that to work through the course of actions because we didn't want to open ourselves up to needing to be a regulated, regulated entity. That has resolved itself in regards to the ability to provide, um, if you will, borrowing against assets. Um, So it's something we're going to look at. The process to do that is relatively straightforward. You have to have a lending license in certain states and other Mm -hmm. things like that. But we are doing our research. We think it's a possibility. We're asking our customers, is that something they want? And uh, we're getting mixed reviews. We think there's a couple of other things we're hoping to bring to market, maybe a little bit sooner than that. But uh, I absolutely think there's no reason why we can't provide an opportunity for consumers to borrow against their gold holdings, especially when those gold holdings are under lock and key. Right, because that's the beauty of it. When if I have it in my possession, meaning it's at the real Canadian Canadian Mint, I can verify it's there. Then my risk of loaning you money against that is pretty minimal. Yeah, because I can always I, the collateral's there. I can always take it back. So we can offer some very aggressive rates for borrowing. I would think uh, once we once we're able to pursue this.
0: Well, not to mention you'd have the ability since it's it's you know custodied. To simply do, you know, if 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 for some reason, if you're, if you're you can liquidate. I mean, presumably right. you wouldn't lend at you yeah. know more than seventy percent LTV, right. but you know, thirty percent right. drop in gold, like you said, maybe it's not right. that likely, but uh, you'd be able to liquidate pretty quickly. So I would think yeah. that would be pretty attractive. Um, so because part of you know the issue is um, to me is, is is liquidity and being able to borrow against it let me play devil's advocate a little bit more about gold because we have been having this discussion a little bit on wealth formula uh, uh, as of late anyway. And so assuming gold is, you know, uh, effectively an inflationary hedge, it's, it's something that is a good way to maintain wealth or preserve wealth. Why not just own real estate after all, you know, Real estate is also a hedge against inflation. It actually cash flows cash flows, and you can use some moderate leverage to create even more cash flow. And of course, you know, certainly the, there are tax advantages associated with real estate, whereas physical gold, uh, some of the, uh, you know, taxation there is actually pretty, pretty onerous. So how do you how do you how do you answer that?
1: Yeah, it's it's a great question, and and I and I think it, the answer to me for me would be that you don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, right. I think uh, real estate's a, a solid play. Matter of fact, when I look at the last 18 years, the only asset that's outperforming gold in the last 18 years is real estate. If you had invested $100 back in 2000, real estate would be around 700 bucks. Gold's at 433. The S&P is at 240 bucks. So yeah, I I, I buy into real estate. I do think real estate's not for everyone. I know I've looked at it as an option. Now, real estate for my own personal use, my home, things like that, I'm good with. But the minute you start buying land or you buy rental properties, there's work that comes with that as well. You got to be prepared to deal with that. That's not for everybody. Um, But um, I'm not going to say that real estate's not a a valid option. I think it is. Um, I think the question is, do you want to be all in one thing or all in another or have some mixture of the two?
0: And before we go, we've only really talked about gold. What are your thoughts on some of the other precious metals? I know there have been some uh, concerns around silver lately. Uh, Maybe you want to address some of what's going on there.
1: You know, silver is an interesting product, right? It has far more industrial use than gold, uh, but it's also more readily available. Right. So it doesn't have a scarcity angle to it. Um, but when you go back and you look at the data, um, I think in 2000, I think it was 11, silver hit forty eight dollars an ounce. All right. Silver is trading right now, like right around sixteen dollars an ounce right now. Um, yeah. Right about fifteen, fifty an ounce right now, fifteen, sixty an ounce. So you look at that and you go, gosh, if it could trade at forty eight and it's a sixteen, you know, what kind of upside does it have? Um, and could it potentially see a nice return for those looking for an opportunity? Um, but uh, again, I think it's industrial uses. Has, has been nice. It's been it's been helpful. I, I think there are some questions about as, as, as companies technologies evolve, you know, Cadillac converters, for example, was a common place. You'd see certain metals being used. Now you're going to, to other, other battery technology that may not have quite the use, but then you got solar out there that's using certain metals. So I think it's something definitely to research. Platinum, by the way, is another product that um, is, is really kind of come down in the last, uh, last 12 to 18 months. Uh, seems to have some nice upside to it. Uh, palladium, I think, is trading at all-time highs right now, uh, or very close to it, uh, which, is, which is very impressive. It's a product that's very scarce, by the way, and it's why it's trading so high. Um, I'd probably stay away from that right now as an investment just because it's trading so high. Uh, but if you go back and look at historical figures, platinum, silver, they seem to have more upside potentially than gold potentially. But gold is going to be around. the gold's the product you kind of get. When you go to Market Watch and look at the front page, they show you what gold's doing. They show you what oil's doing. It's the product that has the majority of the dollars tied up into it.
0: So one gold is alive now, I presume.
1: It is, and uh, it's super simple. Um, I think you're, anyone who's used to crypto will recognize the the experience. We don't ask you for your blood type when you set up an account, like some of these uh, exchanges have done. Uh, and there will be new products coming to the market. Coming to One Gold here in the future, we we have a gold product and a silver product live right now. Um, one thing that's really nice about the One Gold product that some of your listeners may find interesting is we have a continuity program. So you can go in and you can set up a buy where you say, I want to buy $25 in gold and I want to buy that every two weeks uh, for the rest of the year. You can set that up right there in, in one gold and it will execute the transaction at whatever the spot is at the time. Uh, the other thing that's really nice right now that the, 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 the uh, blockchain provider as well as RCM have waived their fees. So basically right now you can buy metal at spot, literally at spot right now. So if you go to our exchange, you'd see, you can take a position in gold or silver, and you're going to be at spot. Our long-term fees are going to be about 30 basis points per year. So when you start doing the comparison against ETS, I think you're going to find they compare very nicely.
0: How long is that promotional?
1: Hopefully till the end of the first quarter. Right now, we're going to commit to the end of the first quarter is where we're at. Um, and we've seen a lot of people, pricing shouldn't be the reason why you dive in. My fee structure shouldn't be the reason why you dive into metal, but it should help to alleviate some of those concerns for sure. Let it.
0: And and again, the uh, is the website onegold.com?
1: It is. It is. And uh, very user-friendly, like I said, very simple, very straightforward. You also may have some listeners, probably I guarantee you customers of ours, atmex.com, We're I think we're the 45th largest internet retailer in the U.S. We do over a billion dollars a year in physical metal. Um, and we're still advocates for physical. We just think some people may want to own GLD. And if you want to own GLD, why would you not give one gold a shot? But if you want to own physical and you want to have physical in your home, Admix has been around for 19, 18, 19 years. We're the, we're the dominant player. I think no one's even half our size in the US marketplace. Uh, we're known for customer service and uh, got a great reputation out there, which is what makes one gold different, too. When you buy these cryptos, who are you dealing with? Are you dealing with a company that has a balance sheet that actually is of, of, of size? a company that's made money, never lost money in their lifetimes, a company that has 225 employees. More than likely, a lot of the startups out there are just that, and you don't know if they're going to be around tomorrow.
0: Ken, again, thanks uh, for being on Wealth Formula Podcast today. We're going to put all of that information in the show notes.
1: All right. Thank you, buddy.
0: Thank you. We'll be right back. Now, welcome back to the show, everyone. So, so what do you think? you gonna buy some gold you want to own it well I'll tell you where I'm at I'm still not entirely convinced. I will say however that there is one way I think if there was a way to really borrow against physical gold as we discussed in this show I I would I could probably be persuaded to buy a chunk the thing is you know as we talked about, This is just not something that you want to sell. It's capital gains. uh, It's not just capital gains. This is like punitive, the type of taxation that goes on when you sell physical gold. But on the other hand, if you're looking at this and saying, well, you know, for centuries, people have owned precious metals and gold and stuff, and it's a great way to pass on uh, wealth. I think that's true. But I, if that's the case, I want to borrow against it while it's gaining value. As uh, Ed McCaffrey, I heard say on Tom Wheelwright's show, it's the whole buy, borrow, and die concept. And so if if I can do that, I think I'll do, uh, I will do. I would be interested. So we'll see how it goes with um, with this particular company. And there is no question in my mind, however, I will say this, that gold will go up in value over time. The question is whether there is an advantage to buying it uh, right now in lieu of other things. Now, uh, you know, there is an argument to be made that you look around and you look at what countries are doing. You've got China and Russia, you know, buying tons of it, loading up on it. Maybe they that means they know something that the rest of us don't know, you know, like a return to some kind of gold standard. I don't buy it, but that's what Jim Rickards will tell you. Anyway, if you can buy some and borrow against it, you know, at least you would have that exposure to uh, some kind of huge uh, movement in the price of gold that some people seem to think that's going to happen, um, and then of course you could use that money, those gains, untaxed for liquidity. Anyway, if you have strong feelings on this either way, let me know. Write me. Uh, tell me what you think. Tell me. Convince me. Because again. In a strange way, I feel like I'm saying something wrong, but uh, it's just kind of how I feel about it right now. Anyway, before we go, I do want to make sure that I keep reminding you that I want to see you at this Wealth Formula event in Scottsdale called the Titans of Multifamily Real Estate featuring the likes of of Ken McElroy, Dave Steele, Uh, we've got Tom Wheelwright, we've got uh, Damian Lupo, Christian Allen, Roger Briskey, Uh, we've got some... Guests who are sort of celebrity guests coming who are just going to be hanging out in the audience there to meet you too. I think George Newberry's coming. I know uh, my fellow podcaster friend, Lane Kawaoka, is coming. Um, and there's going to be some others out there. It would just be interesting people for you to meet in person if I'm not enough for you. Anyway, do that. Make sure you come out, check out the event, go to Wealth Formula Events dot com. Uh, check out that event. Sign up March 1st and 2nd. I want to see you there. And remember, it only takes one event, one person, one idea to change the course of your life forever. You don't know when it's going to happen. George Newberry and I were talking about this the last time I saw him, how when we met, it had fundamentally created different benefits for us that have shaped the way, you know, both of us have have moved on with our futures. So, It just takes that kind of thing. So it's nice to actually get out of your comfort spot, come to a place with a bunch of people who are like-minded, build your tribe. I'll see you there. Go to wealthformulaevents.com, sign up now. That's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffries signing off.
1: Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at
0: wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Worried about saving too little too late for retirement?